Happy, happy Friday, fresco babies. Welcome back to the interdimensional bedroom. How are you this week? Quick mental checkup in three seconds. Really think about how you feel. I hope you're feeling great. I know I am. I'm feeling great. The bushes, which are lilacs in front of my place, are starting to bud because it is springtime. And what a wonderful time that is. New energies, new growth, new us New versions of us that we can explore because, it, it, you know, that's, I, I, I keep, I think I've referenced this all the time, but springtime where I live is like that scene in Bambi when you watch the little bunny rabbit thumper brush the little snow off his head and he goes, you know, and that, that's how I feel. It's getting warmer out. The bike trails are packed. It's cold today, but that's Midwest, baby. Wannabe and I have a great, great episode this week. Uh, it is called The Pitcher Plant is Foisting Us. Uh, trigger warning, we do talk a lot about addiction and alcohol in this episode, but I think uh, it's a lot of good information. I, it, it, it is, uh, it's a fun episode. It's not just serious. I just, I just want to lay that out at the top that in case anybody has any problems with addiction stuff, um, we do talk about that a lot. Uh, there's a, the philosophy corner is back this week. All, all in all, this is a very warm episode. Wannabe texted me afterwards. He said that was a warm episode. It just made me feel fuzzy. And we go in with no plan, as Wannabe talks about at the top of the episode. So, if it's your first time, fifth time, sixth time, or seventh time, thank you so much for being here in the interdimensional bedroom, which is a safe space to talk about the way you feel and a safe place to chew up life with my good friend Wannabe. It is, a sp- it is a place beyond space and time where it's safe to ask questions. Uh, so thank you for being here. Enjoy this week's episode of Fresco Savage, live from the interdimensional bedroom, babies. should let the listeners know that this is just right off the cuff this week what do you mean I haven't i haven't spoken to you since the last podcast let me tell you the one number one rule of show business baby we write the script <laughs> we don't tell them any detriments if you're sick you never tell them this is going to be the best episode we've ever done it's all performance it's all performance we and we're we write the script we direct the show so it's all a lie. Art is a lie. Nothing is real. <laughs> this is a truth of entertainment. Also, your hair is insane today. You've got like super sane hair. Yeah. I uh, Allow me to explain. It's like three uh, inches tall. It's like sticking yeah. straight. I've never seen hair do that. <laughs> you, yeah, you know what you look like? Of- you look like Johnny Bravo. Yeah, I do have some Johnny Bravo You got some vibes. Johnny Bravo vibes. Johnny Bravo meets Goya or something. Um, I 
It's left over from yesterday. I haven't touched my hair. I've been up for about 40 minutes. I just had enough time to get coffee. Yeah. Where'd you As go for coffee? The same place? I'm back in my hometown in Minnesota. You're in Minnesota right now. I went to the Rinky Dink town uh, local coffee shop. We have one. Why are you, what are you doing back in, back home? Just, did you have the week off or something? Yeah, I'm on spring break, baby. Oh, I'm glad you didn't go to Palm City Beach. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, just chilling back in Minnesota with the fam, taking it easy. That's great. And yes, I met up with my buddy who has been no, renowned, like, in the newspaper of a bigger city near our hometown um, for being stylish. Oh. So he took shopping. And he got me a bunch of clothes that are outside of my comfort zone, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. And that's why I got a tag hanging off my shirt. Why don't you take the tag off? Uh, it, it gives me great anxiety doing that. What? Look, we got to dig deeper <laughs> into that. What What do you mean? It, I, it always, like, I know you can cut the tag off and still return the shirt, but... I always get I when I was a kid I lost things in school a lot yeah and I to the point where you know I had to get my paper like I had to get slips signed and shit um so it always it it, it gives me great anxiety um cutting the tag off shirt because then I feel like I really own it I think it might be a, some kind of fear of commitment or it's yeah I don't know what is going on there buddy <laughs> I wish I wish I could unpack it I'm really nervous that. I'll take the tag off and then I'll like need to return the shirt for some reason. And I won't have the tag. Yeah. You can return things without a tag. It's harder, but you can be a dick. But remember when we used to work where we were treating the law return yeah. very easily. Yeah. You know what though? You know what, you know what the, is at the tail end of our return policy? Uh, I say R I'm still traumatized. Do you know what's the tail end of that return policy? That- no matter what we will do, whatever it takes to please the customer. And so many times, dude, I would call up the manager, I'd get put up to a taller manager, and they'd be returning like a $150 shitty watch that was broken with no receipt. Like, clearly this guy stole it off someone's nightstand. And they would be like, you know what? We'll do whatever it takes to please the customer. Just return it for store credit. If you're a dick, you eventually get what you want. If you're like, yeah. if you're like violently dickish, you know, not like throwing stuff around, but if you're like, you'll get what you want because it's Brave capitalism, York, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, I know people that used to in, go to McDonald's with the intention of, because apparently their, their um, customer service, like saying motto is like really relaxed. So like, they're really quick to just give you free shit. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you don't want to exploit that cause then you're a shit person, but you definitely yeah. can like, they're a large corporation. So I would imagine they have quite, they have quite a budget for loss or shrinkage, Right. you know, right. cause they're so big. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. They're not really losing much. I, yeah, I know people that used to like and just go to McDonald's with no money, with the intention uh-huh. of you know, and that's yeah. And he was always an awful person. Yeah, in other facets of life. I mean, I've been really drunk at a restaurant and stolen tips off tables before, so I've yeah. also been a huge piece of shit. So like, we walk out and I'm like, oh fuck, yeah, money. So and I've I want the audience to know I've grown from that. I've learned <laughs> from that. Um, 
that was probably one of the worst things I've done. But I, uh, I actually walked back in to retrieve the tip. Um, once, I, I like, like I forgot my wallet or something, and I just took my tip off the table because I was with people oh, I didn't want them to know yeah. I was so poor. It's really right. bad. Yeah, it's dude. really bad, dude. I can't believe I just shared that information. Dude, I'll, I'll, I'll top that, or not? I'll, I'll share one too. I hate this story. Um, but one time I was incredibly drunk leaving a party <clears throat> and we were like probably halfway home mm. and I saw, we were walking home and I saw a nice big blue bike on somebody's porch yeah. and I just ran up to the porch, rode my bike home. It was unlocked. Okay. Yeah. You got a lot. Would you leave there. a baby unlocked? <laughs> would you leave a baby unlocked? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. To your defense, I would not leave a baby unlocked. I rode that bike home. It laid in my yard all night. Uh, I woke up, no idea how the bike got there. Yeah, you're like I some it. idiot left their bike in our yard. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? I put the dots together. My friends explained to me what happened. I took it to a pot shop and I sold it for forty dollars. <laughs> oh no, dude. dude! I thought you dude. were gonna say you returned the bike. Dude, the feeling of that $40 hitting my hand was the grimiest I've ever felt in my life. I felt so low. Yeah, that's pretty low, dude. That's so low and a little high. Does that make sense? Your high was probably the feeling of relief. You're like, yeah, money. (laughs) I don't think it was like high. Yeah, you're like, (laughs) you like, oh, man. It was the same cheap high you get when you win one dollar doing pull tabs i don't play pull tabs i have a friend who plays pull tabs and wins like hundreds of dollars but he probably he probably plays pull tabs a lot more than i've seen him play pull tabs i've just seen the highs not the lows because i've also seen like um like i was at a casino and they had pull tabs i don't know why you pull tab at a casino you know but they do and people just had like whole tables of empty pull tabs. Like they had spent hundreds of dollars on pull tabs. Yeah, dude, people, yeah, it's It's a towny thing for sure. It's such a towny thing. I think they're just bored. Like they're just bored talking to the same people and they're like, let's make this a little more interesting. Yeah, man. So um, I just finished a book. I don't know. I I wasn't going to go into this, but it, 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 it makes sense. So I just finished a book called The Easy Way to Control Alcohol by Alan Carr um, because I definitely want to do that. Like I want to control alcohol. And what the book does is completely dissolve any kind of like, I'm not saying I'm never going to drink again, but it, it kind of removes your want or need to because it kind of, it, it, it talks you out of all your own excuses and self-talk about why you like alcohol. And kind of just like says your your reasoning is bullshit. This is a this is something that has been manipulated to make you feel like it's something that is good, but is actually bad. And he actually he actually explains alcohol and the alcohol industry as a pitcher plant. Do you know what a pitcher plant is? Oh, I don't. Like in the jungle, there's these plants that are like a pitcher. It's a similar concept to the Venus flytrap because um, it eats flies, like jungle flies. But well, how the pitcher plant does it, at the, at the bottom of the pitcher is, um, it's like a hollowed out pitchered plant. I don't know if you got that. Uh, at the bottom of the yeah. pitcher is um, like a, like 
a bit of very sweet nectar that flies fucking love. And it and the odor permeates the jungle floor. When the fly comes in, he reaches the edge of the plant. And he's like, fuck, this plant is good. And so it, it goes, it keeps going down. And as it goes down, it keeps eating. It wants more and more of this sweet nectar because it's like everything the fly wants. You know, it's like sugary, sweet. It has nutrients for the fly. But as it goes down, the pitcher plant has hairs that grow on the inside of the pitcher that prevent the fly from climbing back out. And so in the moment, the fly... In minuscule amounts, the fly is like climbing towards its death. But all I can think about is how much, how great the the nectar is. And by the time it reaches the pool on the bottom, it's too heavy to fly out. So you, so oh, then it then they just oh. die in the the sweet nectar. And so the whole point is with alcohol is like a little bit at a time. You're kind of climbing into this pitcher plant of of like. You're like, oh, it relieves my stress. Well, it doesn't really really relieve your stress. It actually dehydrates you and creates the next day being more stressful. So it, it, the way it does it, it reverse engineers it and says, all the things you think this works as is actually doing the opposite and making it worse the next time. So you return to it and you need more the next time. Um, and then it's like, and when it comes to, then part of the book is also when it comes to happy occasions, uh, you're like, what will I do? I want to drink at my friend's weddings or birthday parties. And it's like, think about the time when you were a kid, you didn't need alcohol to have fun at parties. You just like went to parties and you're like, yeah, like you can still have that experience. We've just been brainwashed by society and corporations that to celebrate, we need this thing that actually makes us less aware of our surroundings. It makes you appreciate it. It makes you appreciate the world less (laughs) and it numbs you. And so that's what pull tabs is. Because he he um he references the local dive as opium dens in China. It's essentially the same thing. It's like people go there to get buzzed, and it is social, yes. But because it becomes so habitual, they kind of just go there to like deaden their senses and forget about the world and become inebriated. Um, and so to make it less boring, they probably because it becomes so habitual, they probably like we got to do pull tabs because it makes it interesting. It, it's like gambling. It, it like ticks a different ticker. Yeah. It scratches a different itch. Yeah. And so that's, it's been a really, it's really weird. Cause um, now I'm only like two days into this without drinking. So it's like, I don't want to talk too boldly about it, but like, yeah, <laughs> what's really odd is that I don't miss drinking. Like I, I have alcohol in my house right now. Like I don't really want to drink it. Um, because it kind of uncycles your brainwashing of like, oh, that's stress relief and fun. On my day off, I want to do that. Because now on my day off, it's like, why would I do that? It absolutely ruins my day off because I wake up hungover the next day, thirsty, dehydrated. Um, But what it kind of feels like, dude, which is really weird, is it feels like I'm kind of mourning the loss of a friend. It doesn't feel like I'm missing the drinking. It's like... It's like all, it's like, I'm, I'm missing the, the thing that got me through quarantine, the thing that gave me confidence on stage, that the thing that helped me talk to girls, like once the illusion, once this book, like disillusioned me as to like, it was actually hurting me, not helping me. It kind of feels like I lost a a friend, like a little like sidekick on my shoulder. And Hmm. that feels really weird. Um, 
Yeah, dude, that's that's super interesting. It's something that's just been help. It feels like something that was helping you the whole time. Yeah, like, and now I've realized it's been hurting me badly, <laughs> right. financially, emotionally, mentally. Like, he, he, there's a whole chapter about all the health side effects, and it's like, it's like, oh my god, like I've let all this go, and it's like, but you don't realize it because you're the fly in the pitcher plant. All you could think about is that stress relief and the not thinking about life and like how sweet it is. And really it's been hurting this whole time. And it's like, now what's bubbling up is the reason I started drinking a lot, which was, I was lonely. I got out of a weird relationship and I was lonely and I replaced the constant attention of that relationship with alcohol because I was bored without that relationship. And now that is bubbling back up to the surface, which I think is a good sign. Uh, it's like a good thing, but it's weird. Cause it's like, now my like anxiety is about being terrible are starting to bubble up because I'm not, I'm not stuffing those down with nectar every night. Right. Right. It's very weird. Yeah. Dude. It would be really interesting to see if you paired the lack of alcohol with, with meditation or, or if you tried to like throw in real quick, like a real healthy habit, well, um, it, I'm, I'm kind of pairing it with that. eating better. Because a, oh, lot, a yeah, lot of my just... bad eating habits come from being drunk at like 10 p.m. You're like, fuck it, I'm ordering pizza. Uh, you know, yeah. you know, yeah, you know what yeah. it's like. <clears throat> so just trying to do yeah. that and then probably go for much more walks than I do. Just because it, it, the thing is like, and he references in the book, he's like, people are worried they're going to be bored without it if they're used to drinking all the time. He's like, well, if you're bored, that means you have time. And at the end of everybody's life, all they want is more time. So fill that time with things that you like to do. And mm -hmm. even if it feels boring, like, and then he switches the whole conversation of um, like the craving for alcohol. He says, that's like a little monster inside your head. And that monster goes away in like three weeks. So you need mm -hmm. to switch your thinking of, oh, I really want to drink right now to think, Oh, I'm killing the monster that's been killing me. Like when you feel, when I feel a craving, my brain is not like, Oh, I wish I could. My brain is like, hell yeah. Fuck you, buddy. Get out of mm -hmm. here. Like he, like the book is really ingenious how it like incepts your thinking and like just disillusions yeah. all these thoughts you have. That is, that is really interesting, man. I really like that. There was a, <clears throat> it's also, he has like a whole book. line of books on addiction and he's like a New York times yeah. bestseller, bestseller. So it's not like this weird guy I found. They were talking about okay. it on the Joe Rogan podcast, um, oh. but it was about um, smoking. But then I found out he had this one, and he. I was just gonna say, my I think my buddy read the smoking one, man, about how it's like part of the. Well, the most fascinating thing about that is that it's part of their of their marketing. Same thing with alcohol. Seem, yeah, to make it seem like it's hard to quit. Yep, they they but show you apparently... in, in smoking and alcohol and drugs. They like. Well, especially with alcohol in Hollywood, they like romanticize the alcoholic like Mad Men, right? Yeah, They're like, oh, yeah. these these big wigs, millionaire advertising guys in Manhattan in the 60s just drinking vodka at 3 p.m. And it's like, that's what you that that's part of the trick. And it also goes into the fact that like corporations and the government are very motivated to make alcohol a good thing because even the government makes a lot of money because they tax alcohol more than other things. So the, the government makes a shit ton of money off alcohol. Yeah. Not to mention just dumbing a, a sizable part of the population down to not think about anything too hard on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. This is great for a uh, um, <clears throat> really quick philosophy point. Dreams. Required readings. A philosophy class you had to take to graduate with a liberal arts degree. 
Listen in as Wannabe takes us down the deep, deep path that never ends into our own minds. This is the Philosophy Corner. Friedrich Nietzsche was very opposed to alcohol because of that reason. He thought that you, like, feeling pain was a big part of what motivates us. And um, he he did not drink alcohol. He he thought that it, that dumbing down is so bad it, yeah. as far as like away from your life and like finding yourself. Um, because uh, and and he he used like those negatives. He was all about using the negatives in your life, the the struggle to um, help you find your best self. Yeah. And so yeah. that warm feeling that you get, that comfort, you know. And um, it was. Yeah, it's uh, it's like an opiate. He compared it to an opiate. It's not an opiate, but he compared it to something that makes everything better, which is what it you makes everything find. seem okay. It it's like yeah. there's a great bit. Um, I forget the comedian's name now, but he's like, I don't like weed. I like booze because if you told me right now my car was on fire, I would say, Oh my god, my car's on fire. And he's like, If I was drunk at two a.m. and you told me my car was on fire, I'd say like fuck yeah fuck it my car's on fucking fire fuck it <laughs> you know like he's like that's why i like alcohol and yeah <laughs> that's so true man it's like it deadens and those that pain maybe you know like when i cut my finger and it hurts the pain is saying um hey you have an injury that should be taken care of yeah yep uh and maybe fuck maybe emotional pain is very similar where it's like there's there's like an underlying issue that needs to be resolved and so when we just stuff it full with with things that like deaden that like just numb that feeling that anything like maybe maybe emotional pain is just like physical pain where it's a signpost that hey something needs to be resolved here yeah dude that's there's a brilliant TED talk maybe you've seen it on vulnerability that you should watch because she's essentially described they're finding more and more that emotions work like any other physical matter and that is that energy is not created or destroyed so until you take care of that emotion you have to think of it like energy you have to take care of it like you have to process it in a way that will get it out and alcohol is a numbing experience that doesn't you know it's it inebriates exactly exactly so um, this is why in the book they said regardless of cravings the next couple of weeks might be a little hard <laughs> yeah 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 and i i think that that's you know really wonderful and i think that'd be really cool if you were able to just or at least like heavily reduce and just like to see if you just kept a journal and just took note of like what kind I of can tell you i can tell you day three in right now it's like i don't even really feel the, the want to do it because anytime habitually that i would i'm like what am i doing here like this is just sinking down back into the slope and it's like do i really want to do that i don't think so like uh it's weird it's weird it's weird that it's like he just told me 90 percent of the things i already know but then but said it in a way that i hadn't heard it before mm. and and then he actually he like inflates your ego a bit which is really interesting like he like in the book he kind of describes how like you know, to me, at least the way it sounded is like he kind of described it as like, it's possible you drink so much because you like, you're, you're smart and you want to deaden those feelings. 
Like he kind of inflates right. your ego a bit, which is probably part of the manipulation of the book, which I guess I'm fine with. Um, but it makes you really confident. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, I am like a smart person who like doesn't need this. And like, if I can achieve, if I can get over the alcohol bug, it's like a superpower in a room full of people who are, who have a sickness, you know? Mm. Like, so yeah, many, like it, you ever talk to somebody when they're really drunk and you're sober, you're like, all right, man, just, just, yeah. it, it gives you a, it gives you a leg up on people in, in every avenue of life, professionally, like at work parties and stuff like that. Like you can really navigate better, which I always thought it was the opposite, but that's because of my anxiety. It's like, this whole year is about finding like self-confidence and self-esteem in myself. And I'm still working on it. And I always will work on it. Um, but like, if I can figure that trick out where I don't need drinks to feel like I like myself, mm -hmm. yeah. we're on the moon, baby. <laughs> we are yeah, on the absolutely. moon. Absolutely dude. And you know, and then you could always go back. You could always go back. That's what I try to remind myself. I'm like, I can, as far as I know, I'm planning on using alcohol for the rest of my life. So I've got many years of drink. Like I can taking a, a a three month stretch in that you know forty years. Well, I'll look back, it's gonna feel like a long time now. But I'll look back, a three months is gonna be nothing. But here's you know what I mean. I don't know if you're gonna want to. Yeah, and if I don't want to, that's awesome. And if I do want to, I'll have a drink. I'll know what it's like to have it. You know, I'll know. Yeah, how yeah. It's affect me. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no mystery to it. It's just. Yeah, it's that dependency part of it is so interesting and that getting caught up in that repeated cycle. It's like a, it's like you're hypnotized or like, yeah, you're the fly uh, yeah. in the pitcher plant, dude. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I like that. It's really that. interesting. And there's other things in life that I'm sure are the same way. But I, I don't even know what I got to fill my time with something now. It's like, well, I'll, I'll, I, when I was in high school, I had to uh, read Tuesdays with Maury. Remember that one? What's that? It was about this. Uh, it was for health class. It was about this old guy that was dying, and they they, and then Maury was like a journalist, and the old guy would, or sorry, Maury was the old guy, and then this journalist guy who wrote the book would come in and interview him, and he would talk about all the different religions and like all the spiritual like insights he'd gotten through his whole life, and like a lot of people think it's cheesy, and it is cheesy, but one thing he said was like the cool part about growing up is that you can always be younger you can when you're 45 you can go back to being 30 because you know what it's like to be 30 and right now you know we can go back if you want to you can go back to acting like you're 13 years old i don't because you know what it's like 15 and no one you know, maybe you shouldn't want to do that but i think that that applies to so many things that's really interesting you, you know that it, it applies to more than just age it's when you push yourself physically if you if you go beyond or like i just bought a bunch of clothes that are outside of my comfort zone yeah i can always go back i can always go back well i, but I really like the thought of like i used to hang out with my friends and we would just like hang out in a park and talk no alcohol no booze or like yeah, no cigarettes we would stay till like two in the morning like the cops would have to come and be like go home and we mm -hmm. would just be totally sober we didn't have smartphones yeah. even but we could just hang out dude and yeah that was the most fun. And I don't know why that stopped being fun. Probably because alcohol got involved. And then once you, once you add that, it's like, that never really goes away. And in fact, it only gets more and more, you know, but like, yeah. man, I look forward to that. I look forward to just being able to hang out with my friends and just be like totally aware and totally present. Yeah, dude. I wonder too, how much sometimes puberty gets in the way of that stuff. Cause dude, everything was fun. Birthdays. It was just seven dudes. 
and one kid got a new watch or like and four guys was- on a playstation you know like yeah dude oh my god like it was oh. just like that doesn't go away like we can still do that yeah you know like I- dude what is it i mean those i think it's those first parties are so exciting when the alcohol is new yeah but that's that's the thing is you're always trying to get that back and you don't what, get and, that back. It's chasing the right, dragon. Right, right, absolutely. That might be a heroin but, reference, uh, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking back to like why, you know, why did we start drinking? And I do, yeah, it's, it, I do think the first few times are so exciting. Oh, dude, the first that, time I drank then, alcohol, dude, have I told you what the first time I drank alcohol? Dude, I don't think so. Dude, we paid a homeless guy to buy us a 24-pack of Bud Light. And we all we did was pay him in. He just wanted some forties. We're like, all right, take whatever you want. Like, we're gonna give you thirty bucks. Do whatever you gotta do. Just give us a twenty-four pack of Bud Light. Now I want to preface too. Uh, uh, this was on like a Friday or Saturday. I think it was a Friday because my grandparents were in town and I left um the house. So, um, that Friday in school in health class. This was tenth grade students against underage drinking came in to talk to us, which was essentially a group of pretty senior girls who like, (laughs) who were like against underage drinking and talked to us about parties and stuff like that. And I'm a 10th grader. So like anybody older than me is attractive essentially. Yeah. Um, And way cooler. And way cooler. (laughs) And then, uh, then that night I'm like, yeah, we had been planning because my, my friend's parents were going camping. We're like, we're going to drink tonight. Like we we had planned this out, you know that's that's how it is when you're young. You're like, who can buy us booze? We figured it out. We figured out a strategy. We're like, it was like super bad. We're like, we're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we get the booze, and then our one friend was a senior guy, not like a popular kid or anything like that, but like just kind of like a shithead senior guy. And he kind of, uh, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but he showed us a lot about life at 10th grade when he was a senior like weed booze cigarettes like he kind of like was that chauffeur of those experiences right you know like the first time i went to warp tour he's who drove because my mom trusted him uh like and when i didn't even have a license yet you know like he kind of like gave us a lot of those experiences because we were friends with him and uh he's like do you guys mind if i invite some friends over and we're like we're like two beers in we're like fuck yeah dude (laughs) you know because that's how parties work in high school it was right. like if someone had alcohol it was like and had a place to drink it was like it kind of like it was like a watering hole for like people who wanted yeah. to drink because not everybody in the high school drank so if you were right. one of the special ones who had an occasion and a place to do it, it like it kind of it brought together a unique assortment of people and who shows up but like four of those senior girls from health class no and way. let me tell you dude best night of my life probably one of the best <laughs> nights of my life being three bud lights deep and for a 10th grader that's a lot yeah it is. it is and i remember being like you just told me not to drink this and you're yeah. here and it was like yeah. so cool dude it's one of my first kisses uh i asked no this way. hot senior girl i was like i've never been kissed before even and she's like i'll kiss you right now and i'm like really and she did it i was like Oh my god! And I was just—it was an amazing experience, dude. And like, uh, at one point, we were out on his porch smoking cigars, S- super fun, dude. And um, 
his step my friend's stepmom had these like ceramic she had like a ceramic frog with like a banjo on like just as like a like a something you put on the deck you know like it's like a, this yeah. like you know this little pillar like maybe a foot and a half tall and someone pushed it off the side of the deck on accident like it was on the edge of the deck and we buried it and it had like a mini funeral service for this ceramic oh frog God. and it was so funny and it was so fun dude and just like I just remember waking up the next day. I remember talking to the girl who ended up kissing me. I like came out of the bathroom. She's like, how you feeling? And I was like, it feels like it's like my brain is like three seconds slower than my body. I remember being in the, I'd be like, I'd quickly move and I'd be like, and there my brain goes. And like, I would yeah. like, I would like dart and be like, and there's my brain. And she's like, yeah, that's just being drunk. And I'm like, I think I like this. And it was oh so fun, dude. Uh, yeah, dude. But so then you have those kind of nights, and then for the rest of your life, you're chasing that night. But that yeah. night only happens. You only get that once. Yeah. Or twice, or, maybe. Or a couple times. I believe it happens. Yeah, I think it happens like every so often, and there has to be that period of apps. Like you have to take the break from alcohol in order to, you know, get that to that point in the cycle where it's like super exciting again. Maybe, but at this point, I feel like I've had I've had many. I've had so many great nights. It's like, maybe I've had my fill of that kind of great night. I think of it like I have like one in every, maybe it's like one in every, it feels like one in every 14 times I drink, I have like an incredible time. Like it sticks out and I look back and like, but then those filler times are just waste, pretty much a waste of time. Yeah. You know, it's it's just really interesting how that, how that works. Cause I, I feel like I've lived a lot of great life. Like maybe it's time to live great life in other avenues other than drinking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it would be really cool to see what would come out of that because yeah, it's like you kind of gotten as much as you can. It it kind of of feels that way. It like, dude, I've had some wild nights. I mean, I, I invented a drink called the Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh where it was just vodka in light beer. And I (laughs) called it a Pittsburgh because it hits you like a steel beam. And I drank that for a whole year of life. I drink Pittsburgh's. Oh, you don't even taste oh, the vodka. Shit. It's just like really strong beer. Like you don't taste yeah. the vodka, the beer completely. It actually makes the beer smoother. Like it goes down yeah. easier. I used to drink those all the time. Wow. And then I found out it is a drink, but it's not called a Pittsburgh. But to me, it's, uh, it'll always be a Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, man. I don't know. I think that it's definitely worth. Again, you can always go back see how long you can go without man yeah man and i i just think there's other i think there's other areas of my life that i'd like to explore instead of deadening because now the way it works is like from 6 p.m to 10 p.m my life has been planned out for the last year like that's pretty much what i do from 6 to 10 you know end of the day to sleep before i like eat or something like that that's what it is that's what i do but that's opened up what in the seven days four hours a day seven days a week if I'm being honest with you, and I'm going to be honest with you, that's 28 hours a week of extra time I get now. That's over a full day of conscious time that I get. I can't imagine what I can do in three months. Yeah. If you had, if you were living, I'm getting an extra day a week. And you were, you had eight days on that planet and like everyone else is on earth. You you know, you'd come back that one extra day. Yeah. Did you get that one extra day? Yeah. Fuck. That's, Dude, I wish. I hope that this goes really well. For Maybe you. it won't. And Next week, I'm gonna be like, dude, something happened. <laughs> dude, uh, you're not gonna believe this. 
Um, but yeah, I, my, my thing right now is just to, uh, I'm slowly cutting back and especially on the weekends, I'm, I'm down to one day on the weekends rather than two. And I, I can already feel, I feel much better just from that. So, yeah. So I have this, you know. I have this weird thing. It might be called alcoholism. Um, okay. it is, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be one of those things where. I can do it casually. Like I'm never going to be a one or two drink guy. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I want to get started once yeah. because Fresco, no drinks. If he wants a drink, he has one. He goes, I'm just going to have one. But Fresco with one drink is actually a different version. It's an interdimensional <laughs> version of Fresco yeah. who, who actually wants a second drink and is totally fine with it. By the time I hit third drink Fresco there, I can do whatever I want. I don't care anymore because that inebriation starts and it deadens your senses and it deadens your decision making skills. And so I I, I just think it's gonna be it's it's a reality in my life is that because I like it so much and I have loved it so much, and it has given me all these positive experiences. Once I feel that feeling, I just want as much of it as possible because it feel mm-hmm. it feels like I'm on it feels like I just got kissed by that senior girl in 10th grade again. Yeah. And so I don't <laughs> yeah. think I'm I if I even have one, I'm just going to want that feeling as much as possible. And I, I, I think I could, I would rather, again, I'm talking really boldly two days in, but I think I would rather find other ways to feel different than more ways to feel the same. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I just, yeah, I think, you know, going slow and being realistic, going back to senior year health class, you got to set that goal in a way that's realistic and timely. Also fuck that health class, dude. Dude, I pull shit from that health class. Here's the thing. Uh, we had to read another book called 10, no, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm familiar with it? I'm familiar with it. I have a friend who read it, and I thought he was a psychopath for reading it because I was like, what? <laughs> Dude, I No, he read, he read How to Make Friends and Influence People, that book. Oh, yeah. You're and really I was like, just one. make friends, dude. Just stop trying to yeah. manipulate people. I'm, I'm skeptical of that one, too. Um, but this The Highly Effective People by Sean Covey highly effective teens not people his dad wrote highly effective people and he's he like highly he's effective. like i'm gonna fall i'm the next cart down that money yeah, train dude. baby yeah. that's my least favorite part of the book <laughs> yeah. that he totally just whipped his dick off. Yeah, dude. He, he talks about this thing called and again i went into this book i hated everything about this book as soon as i opened the front cover because you could like fill in your progress throughout the book i think i hate that oh, but yeah was, that's a red flag dude slowly, that's a red flag dude it's so, yeah do you know how that book it, does it, that I, did you receive Did you receive that book for free from school? Uh no, my mom got it for me after I started using drugs. Ooh. <laughs> but yeah, that's why. <laughs> that's why um, I think. But, but yeah, she well, I was like getting in trouble in school and Wait, then, so you know, got in trouble in high school for doing like weed? I yeah, I was in middle school. How did that happen? I guess you're a middle schooler, so you're an idiot. We can, I can break that down. I, I just want to, I just want to, maybe finish that your, Sorry, another. finish your point. Finish your point. I've interrupted you. So Sean Covey talks about the personal bank account and he talks about keeping yourself accountable. And like, what happens is you have, say you, you have this personal bank account for like, you're in debt to yourself. Every time that you say, Hey, today I'm going to get this done. That's like taking out a loan from your personal bank account. Yeah. And if you don't do that thing that you said you were going to do, 
you slowly lose trust that you'll actually put that money back into the bank account. And we all know what happens when you're not taking care of your bank. Account, That's pretty good, right? dude. That's pretty good. I love that. And I think as soon as you go from saying, I'm going to have one drink, and as soon as you take the first sip of your second drink, that is a withdrawal from your personal bank account. And now we're both at this point where we'll be like, oh, I'm going to have two drinks tonight. And you end up getting plastered. Because we don't really trust ourselves when we say that we're going to have two drinks. Yeah, tonight. we almost we know. We that. almost know deep down. Oh, you said this bit in my old band where we'd say deep down it's this, but deep, deep down it with yeah, this. Dude. But like that's when you say I'm going to have two drinks tonight. That's part of the pregame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like <laughs> I'm going to have two drinks tonight to transport myself into another version of myself that's going to have ten drinks. Yes. And deep, deep down, <laughs> I know that that is going to happen. But you justify yes. it. That's the ingenious thing about this book is it obliterates your justifications. It absolutely yeah, awesome. breaks you down and then builds you back up. And you actually get pissed like midway through. You're like, fuck this guy. But you keep reading and it builds you back up. And it's it's really, really cool. interesting. Um, yeah, dude. I'm. And even at the end of the book, it was like, have your last drink. Because at, at, at one part in the book, it's like, stop reading here and drink like you normally would for the rest of the, like whenever you pick the book back up. And then I, I drank a night and I picked it back up and then it goes into like, how did that make you feel? It really was fake. Like, wasn't that like not really that fun? Like you could do all those things without it. And it actually, actually once you get over the alcohol, you probably would have enjoyed those things more because you wouldn't have been totally deadened and numb by the alcohol. You know, if you're watching a movie or something like that, you would have been able to see things you wouldn't have seen before because you wouldn't have been inebriated. And then at the end of the book, it's like, have one last drink if you want. Like, have one last drink. And I didn't even want it. I was like, fuck that. Like, hmm. it's it just like, maybe it's something I'm going to have to read over and over again, but it just really dissolved wanting to. Hmm. I like that, man. I'm going to, I mean, I would love to read it too. I, I don't feel like I'm at a I'm, terrible I'm a little further now. along than you, baby. Uh, and that's totally yeah, fine. Yeah. I'm pretty open about that, you know. Yeah, I think that'd be cool to uh, check that out, though, just to get that experience of the the author's writing. And well, yeah, and the and the, the book is called How to Control Alcohol, not How to Stop Altogether. So it's not like it's you don't have to. It the goal is an abstinence. Yeah, yeah. He like and he it, it actually the last thing I'll say is he talks about that the problem one of the problems he has with like AA is. Um, and I'm not discrediting that because that ha that helps a lot of people and it, it's been a really helpful program for a lot of people. But he said one of the problems he has with it personally is it paints you a picture that you have an incurable disease and that your whole life you'll be fighting that disease with willpower and you'll never be cured. And like it's a problem within you. And he says like that just sets people up for because part of this book is like you don't want to anymore. With AA, it's like it sets you up for a lifetime of torturing yourself because you're always going to want that. That's the frame in mind that it puts you in is like every situation socially that you would normally, you're going to be like, you feel like you're missing out on something because you don't have it. So you're just going to be gripping and ripping and using your willpower to try to grit your way through life without it. Whereas the way he kind of describes it is like, I'm going to convince you you don't need it or want it at all because I'm going to talk about the realities of it. And how much better you would be without it. And then he frames you beating it like you're you're like killing the little monster inside you, like I talked about earlier. And that's uh, that is a much different frame of mind than like your whole life is going to be hard now. Welcome to it. Yeah, like that right, that just sets right. people up for like, ugh, it's kind of dirty water to me. 
Yeah, man. Um, my, if he would be open to it, my buddy just uh got out of like Alcoholics Anonymous, or he just got out of treatment. It was the last year he went through from being a really hardcore closeted alcoholic yeah. to um to being sober now, totally. And we should, I mean, I would love to have him on and ask him if he would be comfortable. I'm not sure if he would be, but that could be an interesting episode. It could be, yeah. I mean, I would. I would like to get a couple months under my belt before I did that. Like I, you know. Yeah, you know, just like we did with Keegan, though, just kind of asking him about his experience and like what, because I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's like a genetic component though, where like some people they they truly feel alcohol it's more pleasurable to them than yeah, it than might other be. People. I mean, this book kind of says that's not true, but it, he not he's okay. not right. He not he's not necessarily right about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. That's, that's super fascinating because that you know that's the core of the well, I come, nature. I come from a family of alcoholics who come from families of alcoholics. So like, if there's a genetic component, I probably got it. <laughs> yeah, dude, you got the genetic. You've got the the non-genetic. I got the genetic, the frenetic, frenetic, <laughs> genetic to drink the alcohol. Genetic, genetic, empathetic. We're writing new oh. raps. We're writing new raps. We're out of time for today, though, buddy. Anything you want to say? Last words. Nah, man. Uh, hope you're all doing well out there. Um, prosper. All right. We should have a word of the day. Word of the day. Let me Google it. Sure. Word of the day. We're just robbing it from dictionary.com. Foist. <laughs> the word of the day is foist. F-O-I-S-T. To introduce or insert surreptitiously or without warrant. To force another God. to accept, especially by self or deceit, to pass off as genuine or worthy. Uh, I don't really know how to use it in a sentence. Oh, here we go. I probably should have apologized for bringing her into this house and foisting my family upon her, burdening her with her own role in our own domestic drama. The word of the day, folks, is foist. And it seems like alcohol has been foisting me for years. Hell yeah, dude. All right. Love you, buddy. Have a good week. Love you, too. Talk to you next week. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye.